Spinning out like endless rain into a paper cup They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe Pools of sorrow, waves of joy are drifting through my opened mind Possessing and caressing me All right, as we begin that segment, we note that NASA, for the first time, is broadcasting out to the heavens. In fact, they took the Beatles' great song, Across the Universe, and pointed it up at the North Star and broadcast. Unfortunately, given how far away the star Polaris is, the music will not get there till the year 2438. According to Radio Parallax's calculations, however... If you are on a planet orbiting the star Vega, you have already been able to enjoy the Beatles' original appearance on the Ed Sullivan program back in 1964, which I believe took place the day after they arrived at Kennedy Airport. In other Beatles-related news, a man they made famous, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, passed away last week at the age of 91. The Maharishi began teaching Transcendental Meditation in 1955 and brought the technique to the U.S. in 1959, but his movement gained worldwide fame only after the Beatles attended one of his lectures and visited his ashram in India in 1968. Once dismissed as hippie mysticism, the Hindu practice of mind control known as Transcendental Meditation gradually gained medical respectability. And although the technique did gain medical respectability, I'm not sure the Hindu mysticism did. Remember when I was a young UCD student back at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, there were some researchers there that were experimenting with meditation. And when I asked one of the doctors how that was going, he sort of smirked and said, yeah, I think we proved that taking a nap in the afternoon is pretty healthy. The press reports note that George Harrison did become a devoted follower of TM. However, the Maharishi apparently had a falling out with the other three Beatles. Mr. McMillan's research indicates that apparently there were some concerns over the guru's uh, pursuit of sexual relations with some of his students. Nevertheless, with the help of celebrity endorsements, the Maharishi, which is a Hindi language title for Great Seer, parlayed his interpretations of ancient scriptures into a multi-million dollar global empire. His roster of famous meditators apparently included Donovan, actress Mia Farrow, the Beach Boys' Mike Love, Clint Eastwood, and Deepak Chopra. And in our final Beatles item, we note that the state of Israel has apologized to the Beatles, well, at least the two that are left alive, for banning them for, from performing there in 1965. The Israeli government apparently refused to grant permits for a concert 43 years ago, saying the band's music would corrupt the morals of Israeli youth. In a letter sent to Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and the survivors of John Lennon and George Harrison, the Israeli government said, we should like to take this opportunity to correct the historic omission. Then the finals Beatle note, uh, yours truly happened to catch on uh, cable television earlier this week, A Hard Day's Night. This was the Beatles' first movie. It was in black and white. It was considered at the time rather eccentric, but, but got good reviews. 
And I must say, I was quite stunned to see how much of, you know, everything that's followed in the way of rock videos and so much of what we see and how commercials are done even seems to owe quite a debt to the original effort of, I think, Richard Lester in A Hard Day's Night. It's quirky, it's fast-paced, the music stands up extremely well, and and at times it is hilarious. And if you've never seen it, do yourself a favor, check it out. We've had some really crazy weather in Northern California this past year, and uh, we thought we needed some data on this, some harder data on that, so we're going to go to Radio Parallax's very own meteorologist, Alyssa Lynn. <laughs> Welcome back, Alyssa. Hi, Doug. Thanks a lot. And we thought we'd give you that title because it's cheaper than, you know, actually paying you. Yeah, I would <laughs> rather have a stipend, but I'll take the title. <laughs> well, we appreciate that, sure. being on a community station. Um well, you know, we, we, we talked some time back about coming on and doing this, and it, it struck me that this has just been a really weird weather year. Is that my imagination? Well, um, they all average out, but you're right. I was a little surprised because your first inclination was that you said it's been the warmest winter you can remember, or at least kind of warmer than normal. Yes. And I didn't think so, but I looked it up, and you were right. Apparently, we're having a pretty warm winter mainly due to what we had in November, at least locally in Sacramento. But so far, if you went through the whole winter, I just added up November, December, and January, thinking that's, you know, generally what we think of as winter. And the maximum temperatures were a little warmer than normal. The minimum temperatures were a little cooler than average by about a degree, but Mm -hmm. the max temperatures were so much warmer, nearly 4 degrees, that the running total so far for this winter is plus 1.3 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's only a degree and a third, but... Your barometer or thermometer <laughs> apparently is tracking it accurately. Well, it seemed to me I kept walking around with T-shirts more than usual this winter, so I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess you're bearing out that impression. Yeah, just a little bit warmer than normal. Um, that was for Sacramento Executive Airport, one of the stations, and then the Sacramento Downtown site, which has moved around over the climatological years, was also uh, running above average. Again, this is mainly due to November, though. The last couple months have not really been that far off. In fact, December and January are really close to average, maybe a little bit cooler than normal by a tenth to about a half a degree, you know, if you take out all the numbers and average them together. But November was so warm that we're still kind of carrying over with that Hmm. warm start. And maybe your, you know, your gauge just got stuck in November. (laughs) Well, wouldn't be the first time. Uh, Now, when we we last spoke uh, last summer, you were uh, were giving people tours of this wonderful Science on a Sphere exhibit, which showed the whole Earth with various projections on it. You had a chance to see weather in a way you just don't normally see it. And at that time, we talked about this Pineapple Express bringing in a lot of hot air from, like, Indonesia, actually. Are we seeing some of that this winter? So far this winter, we haven't had a lot of systems like that. Um, The big one, I I guess early January, remember we had about three days of a big storm. Anyway, it was statewide. There were flooding concerns in Southern California, a lot of rain around here. Um, That storm was a big cutoff low, which didn't have a huge Pineapple Express. We don't call them that anymore, by the way. We call them atmospheric rivers. That's the um, politically correct term for those now. But we had a big cutoff low, and since then, this whole month, we've seen a lot of storms, but they're all just plain, traditional, nice, cold, lots of snow producers from the Gulf of Alaska, north-northwest storms. Hmm. They're not those kind um, that we talked about. Although research into those atmospheric rivers, Pineapple Express-type storms, is very important, um, but we can see flooding in lots of different ways in California. Like, it doesn't matter to most folks when they're driving around. It's raining. 
I don't really mind or care where it came from, right? You're just yeah. driving in the rain. Um, but this uh, last couple of storms that we've seen, and January has been a really good productive month for snowpack and rain and all of that, um, they've really been cold-type storms. Um, so there's been a lot more snow uh, than, not maybe as normal, but it's been a very snowy winter. We've seen a lot of rain here in the valley, but the snow level's been nice and low. So it's sort of been kind of the opposite of a Pineapple Express winter. Hmm. We're in a Pineapple Express, you know, you'll see rain really at high elevations, eight yeah. or 10,000 feet. That really hasn't happened this year. And what about that storm a couple of weeks back? I was out of power for 38 hours. They called that the storm of the decade. Uh, is that, was that just a statistical thing, just big, big storm? Yeah, it was just very um, large and widespread, and but most of the damage from that was from the winds. I mean, that was really due to the winds, and so the, the quotes that you heard about why it was, you know, such a huge storm was because of the wind gusts, and those were, you know, things that we hadn't seen in maybe 12 or 13 years at those speeds. So, and not that the rainfall wasn't impressive, but that wasn't really the big deal. Flooding wasn't the problem. It was the power lines that went down because of the winds. So we were looking at a huge wind event then. But that really started us back into what we needed. I mean, you know, December was kind of a dry month, so it's really good that January's been like that. Now our snowpack is at 124% of normal, and Sacramento's precip now for the season is above average. Also, we're at about 118% for the year for SAC, so that's good. Yeah, I know a lot of people uh, uh, query you about how that snowpack is going along, and I guess you've got a lot of good news for them now. Yeah, we have we have good story. Although it really won't make up for it, it takes you several years to form that D word drought to spell uh-huh. it all out, uh-huh. and um, one year won't really improve that, or certainly not one month. Even though the snowpack is good right now, it also couldn't shut down. We still need a couple more months. And La Nina, sometimes the second half of the winter can dwindle a bit, and you won't see as much precip. And we're in a La Nina year, um, but last year was supposed to be an El Nino year, and that was supposed to just clobber Southern California with rain. But no, they ended up with the driest year, driest season on record in Southern yeah. California. So I don't know that El Nino and La Nina are doing the trick for us to forecast for a season. There's probably a lot more going on than just those two things. One thing we can be sure of, they will not, well, we expect, will not have that, uh, that, that fire season they had in Southern California this year thanks to that extra rain. No, they've had a great deal. I mean, L.A. is looking at about, well, some areas, depending on elevation, anywhere between 120 and 160 or 170 percent of normal locally there for rainfall, which is good for the groundwater supply, good for fire risk. And it's also good news for them that we're seeing so much snowpack because, you know, the state water project sends them a good deal of their water that comes down the pipeline. Um, and at least the snowpack sitting good, too. So I think everyone's happy about that. And ski resorts, you know. <laughs> Everyone's glad when it snows a lot, except for people who have to put on chains. <laughs> All right, well, Alyssa Lint, that we thank you for the update and confirming what we kind of suspected, even though maybe I'm a little couple months behind on that. Sure, you were you were right. I'm I, I'll have to hand you this one. So <laughs> next time you have a feeling like you feel like the scar on your knee is burning and you think a tornado's coming, please call me because apparently you're 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 able to tell. Anything I can do to help the state of California forecast weather, I'll, I'll be, I'm right there for you. All right. Thanks, Doug. All right, Alyssa. Thanks. All right. We're running short on time here, but we got a few items to cover. Um, Sacramento Bee, last month, had an article about how we love our pets, but oh, the shedding. They offered some tips on how to keep your home well-groomed in spite of the fact that you may have dogs living inside your house. Now, I realize I'm skating on some pretty thin ice here, but in this correspondence opinion, living with dogs in your house is kind of like, you know, moving into a kennel. 
and I do base this in part upon my experience as Sacramento's worst vacuum cleaner salesman in history. But uh, one of the few things I got from that most curious experience was the secure knowledge that if dogs live inside your house, you are living in a sea of fur. And uh, the article by Gwen Schoen noted in the B that the prevailing attitude of dog lovers seems to be love me, love my dog, parentheses, hair. Noted Gwen, after years of fighting to control the dog hair on floors, furniture, car seats, and clothing, most of them just give up the fight and stop apologizing. Said Joan Gibson-Reed, who is apparently an American Kennel Club judge from Elk Grove, if dog hair concerns you, get a salamander. She said, dogs shed. That's the way it is. It's a minor point compared to what you get in return. I don't know. When I look at the picture that was in the home and garden section of the bee and see a large dog sprawled out on the couch, a dog that's just, you know, laying about on the furniture like he owns the place, I personally wonder why it is that Homo sapiens prevailed and Neanderthal man died out. The article went on to quote Robin Baker, who raises golden retrievers. The hair gets airborne. It's amazing where it can land. It accumulates in the traffic areas. It blows into corners and collects around the television. You do the best you can. But if you live with Goldens, you expect to live with a certain amount of dog hair. Bottom line, I just don't invite people to my house who are not dog people. Well, she says dog people. I, I might say clean people. I'm sorry, I don't know, maybe I'm getting mean here, but this article talks about these dog people saying, you know, I do try and get it under control before company arrives, but the truth is, if someone has a problem with dog hair, they just aren't invited. And they quote it from somebody from Santa Rosa who lives with three old English sheepdogs inside the home. Well, her solution is she gets dressed in the garage to avoid getting hairy. Yes, they're dressing in the garage, and they're referring to other people who, people that just have a problem with dog hair. Me thinks it is not the other people with the problem. Now, don't get me wrong, I actually like dogs. I think people and dogs should coexist. But your dog belongs in the backyard or in areas of the house that are not carpeted. And if you're going to occasionally allow them in the carpeted areas, please keep them off the sofa. Anyway, I'm sure the hate mail will roll in, and you can send that to info at radioparallax.com. Of course, I guess that's after you're done dressing yourself out in the garage. It's been a program was produced by Edward McMillan. We'd like to give our thanks once again to David K. Johnston and hope that we'll have him back again in the future. Our thanks also go to crack meteorologist Alyssa Lynn, who we also hope will be back. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and we hope you'll tune in again next week for our talk with the mayor, Willie Brown. We'll see you then.